Tonight on the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean, we are talking all things the Batman with our special guest, the casual moviegoer. Tune in for a good one. Change the game just now. I have a rave. Which are the best ideas I've ever heard? <laughs> Seth can't I'm saying that that's, that's the commentary that will exist. A Barbie girl in a Barbie world. The files, Mickey Mouse. Oh oh my god! Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe, he is Sean, and this is episode 87 with special guest back from the dead, Undertaker Rises Again, the casual moviegoer himself, Ankit, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. That, That was an awesome intro. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. We love the yeah. video intro. <laughs> Played around, you know. We're trying to get a little more savvy. Uh, a year and a half in. Uh, how have things been? We haven't. I know we catch up every once in a while about life and stuff, but uh, things been going well. Yeah, man, things are going really well. Things are going really well. Yeah, you know, just I, I as you can tell, I seem a lot more relaxed and a lot more chill <laughs> these days. <laughs> One of the hardest working people when you were running that site, so I totally oh, get you. it. Um, it is a full time job on top of our full time jobs. Oh yes. <laughs> so it is a whole lot of fun. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, we're going to get to the Batman. Then there's some news about the spinoff shows and what's happening there. Uh, Warner Brothers is really going all in on the Batman as they push a lot of their other movies uh, back yet another year. <laughs> so this is going to be really interesting to talk about. First, let's talk about the trailers that we got. We got two trailers today. One is the Red Band trailer for the unbearable weight of massive talent. So finally, we have a little bit more of an understanding of what's going on in this crazy Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage movie. Ankit, have you seen this before? Uh, yes, I saw the first original trailer when it dropped and then the second one. But that's the only like inclination I have about the movie. I have no idea who, dro- who wrote it, who directed it, <laughs> nothing like that. Someone said on uh, Twitter today that this is going to be their Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> like, just the ridiculous movie re- comedy release. Um, is it something that you're into? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to deny Nick Cage. You know, whether he's doing a really good movie or a really bad movie. Uh, I like how meta this is going. And, I mean, I have a huge crush on Pedro Pascal. So, I'm going to watch anything he's in. Let's be honest. That well, there's one scene in the trailer where they're standing across from one another, and he's like, "I don't want to kill you." He's like, "I don't want to kill you. I love you." <laughs> and that is right up my alley. Sean, we watched the original one, I think, on the podcast like a month and a half ago, or whenever that came out. Um, how do you feel after the second trailer that gave us a little bit more context? This gave me a little bit uh, new life. Um, I was always worried this movie was going to disappear up its own ass. Um, there's sometimes meta, and then there's a very, very heavy meta. Um, I, I worried that this would be relying too much on ha ha. This is Nicholas cage instead of like putting something more into it. We now see that there is a plot forming. This plot could actually link to the craziness of what, uh, past movies of Nicholas cage can be. So there's something where all of this really does fit together. The plot is also rather, um, generic. Um, even though it is like from a ridiculous up from a ridiculous lens, but I'm still just like after this trailer, I, I like finally now I'm excited for it, knowing like, OK, I can go into this kind of expecting something that's not just like, you know, like a child with a coloring book of Nicolas Cage <laughs> drawings, <laughs> which is what I was coming close to expecting at first. 
what was happening at the end there where he was like screaming and he looked like younger Nicolas Cage all shaven and everything? Did you guys catch that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I figured <laughs> he was just playing like, I don't know, maybe he's like captured at some point and he has to like get out of it by playing all his iconic characters, characters. or something. I oh think they're doing a lot of drugs. And yeah. so <laughs> I think at that, like at that moment is when like it's really, really gotten to the point where things are out of hand. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting watch. I kind of, as soon as I saw that tweet about this is the their Bob uh, Barbin star, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can see that um, because that was a ridiculous movie. And there's, I mean, they even introduced this trailer by saying instead of Lionsgate, they said Lions Cage. If you caught that at the beginning, <laughs> so. I did not. Oh my god! So they're all in on this, which is always fun. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit. Today was the Disney Investors Day uh, and the share, annual shareholders meeting. I'll get to more of that later. <laughs> but um, the biggest announcement today, and this kind of was predicted all morning and pretty much all week, I guess people were talking about it, is we finally got a good look at Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series that hits Disney Plus uh, in the States on May 25th. Um, this is uh, the return of Ewan McGregor. We also get Hayden Christensen back. Um, as Darth Vader, although we didn't see him in this trailer. Um, but, you know, we didn't get a, we talked about this a little bit before coming on. Not a ton of context as to like what the actual story is, other than we know we have the Inquisitors who have never before been on screen aside from the animated Rebel series. Uh, and then we also get that shot of looking at young uh, Anakin Skywalker or no, young Luke Skywalker, I guess it is. Um, so when they throw these timelines around, I'm like, who are we dealing with here? I think everybody said Anakin at that point <laughs> at first because they they literally were just like, it's Anakin Skywalker because he's 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 got like Obviously. the same motions and yep. he's doing everything just like Anakin. And then like for a second, I was like, wait a minute, no, no, can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, we always talk about the purpose behind these shows and you know if they're just fan service or. Uh, you know, what what they actually have going on. It seems like the story here is going to be that they're hunting down the last Jedi, uh, the last Jedi in the universe. Um, Jedi plural, I should say. Yeah. Uh, are you into this? Did this, like, tickle your fancy? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, I looked at something like this. I mean, um, this is uh, one of the great unifiers uh, in our household. Um, uh, my wife uh, normally, you know, likes some of the Star Wars, not all of the Star Wars, but I said, do you want to watch the new Obi-Wan trailer? And she like you know, came scampering over and just like, you know, <laughs> we both watched because she just loves you and McGregor. And so we both are able to appreciate this uh, from that level. Um, I remember finding out that this was the timeline between basically three and four. And I thought, well, you know, from how does he go from looking like Ewan McGregor to looking like Alec Guinness? Oh. <laughs> like I'm like he's he's probably seen some shit. And so, um, I, I like that there's going to be some kind of adventures there, and it's sort of fascinating me. The Hayden Christensen cast casting is still strange, just because all he's going to be is probably Darth Vader. Um, maybe there'll be a couple of times where he like takes off his uh, little uh, helmet and. Um, shows himself to the world and you can see like a little like made up uh hating christensen um but other than that i'm i'm very excited i mean i believe and there was a lot of shuffling around so this could be wrong i believe deborah chow is either showrunner or directing a lot of the episodes and she's responsible for a lot of the action-packed episodes of mandalorian so i mean yeah. i'm in right there I think she's doing the majority of the episodes, if I remember correctly. But like you said, there's just a lot of discussion around who's directing what with all these series. It does look like there's a lot of action, too. Uh, that was primarily what we were seeing. Ankit, how have you felt about the Star Wars journey 
on uh, Disney Plus so far? Uh, so, okay, I, I wanted to, I was wondering if you guys knew this or not, but uh, so I gave up on Star Wars after Rise of Skywalker. I have not watched a single piece of Star Wars content since that movie (laughs) dropped. And it has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's this whole, like, thing about the fandom and the fan base being toxic, blah, blah, blah. All that kind of stuff. Don't want to get into that. But I have not watched a single piece of Star Wars content. So no Mandalorian, no Boba Fett, no... What was the other one? There was a third one, right? Um, The the animated one. Yeah, no, I haven't seen anything. That being said, this is... Obi-Wan's making me really close to breaking my own rule. <laughs> Do it. I, I can't. I need to have some conviction. But I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead was also cast in like some undisclosed role. Yeah, and she's like my she's my number oh one. My so God, yeah. This I is gotta, a stacked cast. It's just like a good cast. Dula face in the trailer. I I always like Hayden Christensen. So yeah. I'm like part of me wants to support it, but also a big part of me is like, I can't, I can't go back, you know. I made a stance. I'm like, yeah, you got a job. <laughs> as soon as I saw Hayden was back, I was like, of course he is. Like, what else do you have going yeah, on? I know, like, yeah. hey, will you do this? <laughs> um, I- I'm excited for it. I like that it's six episodes. I think let's not go too crazy with it. Um, Hawkeye did really well with six episodes, and I was completely fine with that. So um, not, not to compare both. but you know, I really do you- hope it's uh, just three episodes of Obi-Wan, and then they just do three quick episodes of The Mandalorian and just cut <laughs> off his story right away. So you know that story, right, Ankit, that the Book of Boba Fett started off, like, really s- slow, in my opinion. <laughs> it was slow. No, I don't know anything about all this. All I know is, like, Boba Fett, isn't he only in the, like, entirety of the show for, like, less than 10 minutes? So essentially, like, it turned into, yeah. like, The Mandalorian 2.5. Uh, okay. Like, there was an episode where it was, and it was weird, because there's, you know, about, like, two or three episodes with Boba Fett. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is, like, yeah, kind of slow. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of enjoying it. There's definitely some flaws. And then the fourth episode is just a Mandalorian episode. I'm like, wow, that was kind of great and stuff. It was just the Mandalorian and stuff. Then I was like, okay, so they're going to do that thing where it's like one character in one episode. Then we're going to go back. And the fifth one is Mandalorian again. <laughs> and the sixth one is the Mandalorian. I'm like, did they? <laughs> and so finally there's like, yeah, like you said, Boba Fett's in like 10 minutes of the seventh one. And he's just like, I'm going to go play tennis. And then he just like, you know, leaves okay. and runs down the stairs. In your opinion, did he need a show? Because, like, when I was... Because I grew up with the prequels, right? And then I watched the original trilogy, just based on, like, the age I was in. And Boba Fett was always, like, like this the guy, you know? Like, he was, like, this, like, mysterious figure. So I figured he'd have this amazing role in the original trilogy. But he didn't. Like, he's just, like, the stoic dude in the background. But then I was like, oh, he's getting his own show? Okay, like, what, what's that going to be about? And it looks like it was, didn't amount to much. Boba Fett is basically merchandise that got out of hand in the <laughs> 70s, in the 70s and 80s, where it's like, you know, that thing next to uh, Darth Vader looks awesome. And it's like, I get it. Okay, cool action figures. Then it dies in a monster, but then like just let like, you know, fans go nuts for it. And, you know, everybody buys that like, you know, thing that's there. And so then, you know, they think, all right, cool, we can get some more stuff out of it. And turns out, yeah. <laughs> I honestly feel like they finished um, like and decided to do a Book of Boba Fett series because they're like, oh, he was really good in the Mandalorian season. Let's say the Book of Boba Fett's coming. And then once they got into it, we're like, oh, no, we don't have much story to tell. Yeah. Uh, let's kind of shepherd in the you know Mandalorian and get his story kicking again, because it really it just felt so pointless to me, at least the beginning. I, I to be honest, haven't finished the series because <laughs> um, I was I watched like three episodes, two episodes. and was so out of it, yeah. um, but not my favorite character and not not a blast of a series like The Mandalorian could be. 
But all right, let's shift and get into what we've been watching. And there's a little movie that came out this past week that nobody is talking about. Um, it's called The Batman. Uh, so this hit theaters on Friday uh, in the States. It's just crossed $155 million as of yesterday. Um, surprisingly had a stronger day yesterday than it did on Monday, which like, it's just funny watching how this stuff happens, um, as a box office nerd here. Um, but it has made over about $280 million worldwide. It is generally very positive in terms of the feedback that it has been getting. Um, Ankit, Sean and I have shared our thoughts already. Um, but we want to share them with you after we hear your thoughts on this, because you told me last night that you were getting your thoughts in order. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh I, I don't like, don't like ant me up or anything. Um, <laughs> let's hear it. Here we go. <laughs> no, no, man, honestly, I, I, I loved it. And I, I, I feel like I'm one of those, um, like people who's buying into the hype, but I don't think it's a hype movie. Like I definitely feel like it's one of those pieces of content where um it reached the level of hype that it was assigned to it um i personally think it's better than the dark knight i know that's kind of a very contentious mm. point right now for my own reasons i like it better i'm no way comparing like one-on-one -on -one. yeah like this is why it's better this is why dark knight's worse like they're totally in the same playing field it just slowly it wins, wins it for me um i mean like is there something specific that should be talking about or no, I mean, so general thoughts, you really enjoyed it. What did you think? Was there any standout actor for you? A lot of people have gone um, generally positive when it came to Robert Pattinson. But one of the things that Sean and I both, I think, agreed on, and this is getting into a little bit of news later, is Colin Farrell's Penguin, it, to me, was a standout. Yeah, no, definitely. I The funny thing about Colin Farrell, and yeah, I was going to bring this up afterwards as well, um, but, you know, his casting really made me realize how hard it is to be a casting director, you know? Because <laughs> I remember when it was first being announced that the Penguin was going to be a villain, you know, everyone started fan casting and yeah. all they could do was fan cast like bigger actors, like larger actors, you know? Because they're like, oh, the Penguin's chubby, so they got to get a chubby guy. And that's only where their mind went. They were like, oh, you got to get Jonah Hill in the role. And like nobody saw Colin Farrell coming, but he like knocks it out of the park. He's amazing yeah. in the role. And I'm really glad that he's getting a spinoff so he has more time to just flesh out that kind of um, the, the character. And I really think he can bring like the level of sympathy that you haven't really seen before with the Penguin character. Um, but yeah, that I think we kind of get that already from the performance in this movie, like the the sympathetic just underling uh, or the sympathetic feel or empathetic feel <clears throat> to the underling of uh, Falcone here. Falcone, Falcone. Um, Whatever. This has been the greatest controversy of the Batman movies. <laughs> it's not Dark Knight or Batman or, or the Batman. Falcone, it is Falcone. Falcone or Falcone, because that's the pronunciation that's been screwing people up. Did you guys hear that uh, apparently uh, Matt Reeves, when Robert Pattinson was cast in Tenet, was like, oh shit, because he really wanted uh, Robert Pattinson for this role. And then I guess during the filming of Tenet, oh, yeah. he snuck off to go do the the audition. And um, Christopher Nolan was, you know, because he's the king of theater. He, he saved theaters. He saved theater like, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, he saved <laughs> all, movie theater. all movie <laughs> theaters are saved because of Christopher Nolan. All <laughs> <hell>. Already <laughs> two years ago. Oh my God. Um, Christopher but, Nolan was actually just uh, cast in uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was like, you're going to do the Batman, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, he's like a... Uh, 
like a dog who smells another dog on you. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. where were you? <laughs> I where smelled a Batman on you. <laughs> I like to think, like, maybe, like, it's like, uh, oh, yeah, no, Nolan was a genius or something like that. No, maybe, like, Pattinson accidentally still had the cowl on. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, have, it's been a few days. I know that you're someone that likes to sit on it a lot, and we got into a really good discussion about the Batman on Saturday. Has anything changed for, from your review of it number one but number two is there any other aspect of it that you're like amped up to see more of i'm like sort of level at the yeah. uh, same playing field i am i think the the tiny little things that bothered me um which is mainly what everyone is saying is bothering them which is the bloat um have have dissipated and i've have had close to no issue um, I just felt, I mean, I, I don't like to complain about a specific runtime saying oh, like, you know, okay. Hey, the, the three hour runtime bothered me, but there were moments in it where I thought, you know, the story was reaching its end and there was still about an hour left. Yeah, I thought that that had uh, some issues. Um, I'm going to go, when I go into my rave, I'm going to go into, uh, you know, one of like, you know, what I think yeah. might be my uh, best moments in, uh, the, uh, the Batman now, um, it was actually a, a slash film article that, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> like had I know exactly which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it, it got me. It got me amped this morning when I read it. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, what I've seen, I just love what they created with Gotham. I can't get over how much what they created with Gotham, where you know it's not it's not the Burton's level of like just like like complete comic book fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the like completely modern Nolan version either. Um, you get like, you know, some realism to certain cities. Like there's an obvious Madison square garden, just like there was an obvious Chicago license plate in Gotham square garden, Gotham square garden. (laughs) And then they had like the Chicago license plate, like, or the (laughs) Illinois license plate, obviously like for like, you know, the Chicago Gotham in the dark night and they have those levels. But, um, I, I just love like, you know, the, the setting and the set piece they have here. The fact that this was not new Batman, but definitely not the one that's like used to his stuff yet. And so he has this vengeance where he's screwing up a lot and he doesn't exactly know what he wants to do with this newfound Batman. And he's trying to figure that out. And I think it's weird that they found something original for Batman. because That's yeah. friggin impossible to do, now. <laughs> like, but they, they did it. They did it very well. It's actually interesting you bring that up because, sorry, Joe, if you no, go for it. Like, totally cut you off because you said it's um, <clears throat> like they found something new to do with Batman. I actually feel like Batman is one of those characters who's constantly getting reinvented, is reinvented and it works. You know, like I personally loved Batman Ninja, the animated movie. Oh, yeah. um, I loved Gotham by Gaslight. I even really liked Lego Batman. I just feel like Batman is one of those guys you just plop him into any like setting or any era and it'll work for yeah. some reason. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, and we're getting another one with DC League of Super Pets. Um, <laughs> but, That's going to uh, re- definitely 180 in the first 180 million in the first weekend on that one. Oh, Keanu's <laughs> voicing. So um, <laughs> uh, I was very harsh on this movie. Uh, not very harsh, but I, I had a lot of negatives um, with it. And one of them that I continue to think about is something that Sean pointed out to, to me. Uh, it kind of like flipped an argument I had on on its head. And that was that we didn't spend much time with Bruce Wayne. So when we're talking about the performance of Robert Pattinson, I was struggling a little bit with being able to say one way or another how I felt about it because 90% of the time is spent as Batman. But Sean, your point that that was kind of the point there is that he wants to be Batman all the time. He doesn't know how to be Bruce Wayne um, and specifically referencing when uh alfred's like hey we uh the, the accountants are coming and he's like Ugh. <laughs> um you know that whole scene that really flipped on me 
Um, and the other thing I'll say, and I did say this when I originally reviewed it, and I stand by this, and I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about this more with some of the news. Matt Reeves built a really great world here um, and laid some seeds, whether that's with the Arkham family and how Arkham Asylum came to be or other characters that may be out there, subtle nods to other characters um, and just exploring, I think, a little bit more. Like, I want to know what movie his parents were seeing in 2001 when they were killed. It could have been Shrek. It could have been Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, if they went to an old timey theater, they could have been seeing uh, what what came out in '98. I don't know. I can't remember which one I said the other day. Fast and the Furious was pointed out to me. They could have been seeing a lot of different things. So, like, talk about modernizing it. Uh, but oh, uh, the station agent, definitely <laughs> early <laughs> Dinklage. Um, but no, I, I all jokes aside, I think that there is a lot to explore here because Gotham had a presence and sort of a life of its own that I really enjoyed. Um, I, I know a lot of people are saying when we get to the spinoff talk that we don't really need that because we've had a Gotham show and we've had all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about why I'm on board with the direction they're going based on some of the news that's come out soon. But uh, all in all, I was supposed to go see it again the other night and I didn't go. Oh, um, I carve out an amount of time. <laughs> I, well, I booked a ticket for like 11 a.m. and it got to like 1030 and I was like, I don't I don't want to go. I don't um, want to get up yet. Interesting. Um, um, but I, I need to go back. I, uh, I find it interesting that you said uh, you wanted more Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Because I, I definitely agree with Sean that I like that this was like a 90% Batman film. And that's kind of my main point about why I love this movie so much is because um, a lot of people like to say it's a gritty version of Batman and like a realistic version. Yeah. I actually think it's the exact opposite. And I was having a conversation with my friend about this. I actually feel like it's the most like fantastical Batman yet. Like it's when I was watching it, I wasn't like, yeah, this is what Batman would be like in real life. I was like, this is like a fictional, like dreamlike Batman, you know? And I bring it back to like the Bruce Wayne comic because I don't know, I, I found these parallels where like it's always raining, it's always nighttime, he's always wearing the Batman suit, it's all, and he's like sleep, sleep deprived. It's like complete, it's a complete nightmare scenario. It's almost like when you have a bad dream, you, you know, you wake up in a bad dream, or you, when you think of a bad dream, you're always like dropped in that same spot, you know, it's the same yeah. setting. It's the same like kind of look and feel like you're stuck in a like an endless cycle. And that's what I really liked about the movie was kind of it felt like a nightmare where he's just like plowing through people to kind of wake up because, you know, actually all the like all the daylight scenes in the movie are usually like the ones where he has the most clarity, almost like he's awake at a point. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I really like that we didn't get any much of Bruce Wayne in this. And it no, was just I... kind of like Batman wrecking shit. that's really interesting because I do think that this is going to be a movie that people are going to continue to think about and dissect um, for some of those thematic elements. Uh Um, And I I'm, I'm coming around to exactly what you're saying too. on kit. My, uh, I I guess I like going into Batman movies. I realized that I always have a checklist of certain things I want to see. Uh Like I want to see the Bruce Wayne. I want to see the Batman. I want to see like the Batmobile and all that stuff. And, um side note i saw the batmobile in person in philly and that shit looked cheap as hell um, i don't know <laughs> it if it was like cheap in the movie and i was just like um but uh but yeah so i i definitely i think i have some work to do there to like 
position myself to accept the changes and stuff and see the value in that. That's really deep for a movie critic talking about Batman. This is a Batman. (laughs) But but no, I do think, I mean, there's a reason why AMC chose it as an artisan film early on. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about it. So um, someone just tweeted me real quick and said, Kermit the Frog was just cast in Oppenheimer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's move on to some other movies that we've been watching. And I'll touch on these quickly. I saw Turning Red, which comes out on Friday on Disney+. Nice. Um, Turning Red is an adorable, adorable, um, adorable Pixar movie that is um, really unlike anything we've seen before. It's more simple in a lot of ways, um, which works for the the themes of the movie. But it also tackles a lot to do with adolescence and specifically with um, young women going through adolescence. Um, And, you know, I won't go any deeper into that, uh, but there's, it, it's beautifully animated. It's a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've had with a Pixar movie in years, probably because it didn't dive too deep into like heavy, the- heavier themes. <laughs> um, but it did. Uh, it, it's just all about the pressures of family and how you balance wanting to go on your own path, but living up to what your family wants. Um, it's culturally beautiful as well. Uh, I, I really did enjoy it. I actually keep thinking about it more and more, and I'm really excited to revisit it. Um, th- this director or this filmmaker is just absolutely incredible. Um, I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, oh, Domi Shi, but she was the uh, the woman who created Bow, mm-hmm. the short, yes, amazing short film, creepy oh, ass, but amazing, amazing <laughs> short film. <laughs> yep. So this was her first big one, um, which I, I love, and I think she knocked it out of the park. It's set in Toronto, so I there know. you go. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it will be heading to the Canada Pavilion at Epcot. Um, <laughs> that's immediately where my mind went. I'm like, so we're just going to erase Brother Bear, I guess. Um, <laughs> Brother, I was losing my I haven't mind. Heard about that in so long. God. Wow, Brother, <laughs> one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, I am a strange man. It's a but hell uh, of a take. <laughs> yeah. uh, May Lee as the lead too. I just I can totally see her becoming someone that young girls are really latched onto as a character. Uh, and I think there's a lot more that they could do with this as well. Um, are you guys looking forward to Turning Red? I, I am, yeah. I mean, okay. so turning around, this is uh, Disney Pixar, correct? Yep. So uh, this will be um, uh, available on Disney Plus for free. It'll actually be downloaded on our iPhones. We'll actually be getting it streamed <laughs> into our minds because we don't have to do anything. To yeah, YouTube it. produced it. Yeah. Okay, uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Like this, you know, it, it's it's a Pixar film, so there's a staple to this, and you know, automatically it goes into the rank and file that we all have, and sometimes that means it goes, you know right to the bottom and sometimes it means it goes right to the middle because our tops of our uh, pixars are sacred and they can't be like right. moved ever and then that one moment they do get shaken up we we start to wonder what to do i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm saying this right now because i had to just now um for the uh, league of cinephiles rank my top five pixar and i was crying the entire time <laughs> i narrowed it down to about 13 and i just like that i'm just like deleting some of them while just crying like just the most amount of tears i've ever cried Coco, Inside Out, <laughs> they're in my top five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the problem. Like, I think it's like people. You could say that most of them are going to be the same, but there's going to be a lot of different ones out there. Yeah, I hear you. Ankit, is this one that you're excited for representing? <laughs> well, no, 100. Honestly, I, I am most excited because it takes place in Toronto, and I'm just happy to support any sort of Canadian film. <laughs> um, but I remember when the first trailer came out. Uh, as you guys know, I'm I'm Indian. Um, we were sharing the trailer in our like family WhatsApp because for like half a second there's like a Sikh guy 
<laughs> in one of the shots. And we were like, oh my God, there's an animated Indian. This is amazing. So like, of course, it comes with the territory, like Canadian, it's all, all about diversity and everything. So long short, long answer short, yes, I'm looking forward yeah. to <laughs> that's, And I think that's what a lot of the discourse has been around is the representation in this just being phenomenal. Um, and that's something that I think Disney is starting to do very well. Um, I, they, complete side note, but they showed a video package about Encanto during the shareholders meeting today. And it was like a two minute, like talking about the impact of it, showing TikTok videos and all this. And by the end of it, I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. <laughs> um, and so, I, I mean, I'm reading some stories of people like walking out of Turning Red and um, meaning after seeing Turning Red saying just how like stunned they were to see oh, themselves yeah. on the screen and yeah. how they connected with, you know, the the, the cultural heaviness uh, of yeah. the way the, the Asian family is depicted. Um, and it, it was just, it was great. So I... I'm interested to see how people feel about it because, like I said, it's a simpler film than a lot of the other uh, Pixar films, and I think that caught people off guard. But there's also a beauty in that too. But Just, Disney's really hit their stride with the whole like cultural relevance, yeah, like genre of film, like the like you said, Coco and Canto. This one, like they've really like hit a stride where it's like there's so much to work with. You can do so many different cultures, so many different mythologies. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, Encanto, by the way, which was referred to as a franchise today during the shareholder meeting. So get ready for a lot more Encanto. Encanto. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, there it is. If that's not the name, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm walking out. I'm walking out. <laughs> um, the other one I want to touch on real quick is Lucy and Desi. I know that you saw this as well, Sean. Yes. Uh, this was on Amazon Prime Video down here. It is a... I absolutely loved it. And the mm -hmm. more that I was considering it, I thought they did such a great job basically because of the access that Amy Poehler had to the estate of uh, Lucy and Desi, Lucy probably specifically. Um, there's tapes that are used where it's her, they've never before, they're never before heard. And it's her, um, Lucy actually narrating or like talking about her life and the way that they incorporated that onto what you were seeing on the screen and balanced that with, you know, Bette Mil Midler or Carol Burnett and all of that. Um, it really just goes to show how they were titans of industry that really are responsible for the start of like the modern sitcom. And then also how they just kind of ran Hollywood for a little bit. And nobody <laughs> talks about that. <laughs> It is unbelievable that about 20 minutes of this documentary, well, maybe I'm being dramatic, but like almost like 30 minutes of this documentary is I Love Lucy. And uh, then you got the, you know, their personal life for a portion of it. And then the majority of this is them having um, Desi Lou Studios and them running the shows that we never realized, like Robert Stack getting up there at the Kennedy Center honors because he was like, you know, he's like, you know, uh, <laughs> Lucille Ball gave me my job for uh, being Elliot Ness and the Untouchables. We're like, that's not a sentence that makes sense at all. <laughs> like, but that was um, right around the time where I was crying, so I'm not sure no, that I. It uh... was uh, well because then he starts saying stuff uh, like you know from what Desi was saying, and Desi like passed away like a few days beforehand. Um, spoiler alert: Desi Arnaz dies. Um, but I um, and Lucille. Uh, but I, I I sort of was blown away by this uh, documentary and how you know it it is just a straight down the middle delivery. Um, and it's rare that you get, like you were saying, you know, Lucille Ball pretty much telling her story the whole time. 
And then it's peppered in with uh, other family members that tell like, you know, that fill in the cracks or just fill in their various perspectives of what it looked like. And then also like when you didn't care about their personal life, it also included uh, some of the greatest minds in television between Bette Midler, Carol Burnett and like, you know, Norman Lear, who I'm just like, oh, thank God, like Norman Lear, man. This, this guy is just like he literally is the personification of television. <laughs> he, he is like, you know, like telling us like where they like they how they pretty much invented what television is today and what comedy television is today and how it does ever evolve. And, you know, what happened with their careers and how in their careers they got, you know, like they started to, you know, not literally, but almost kill themselves with their careers and uh, they destroy their relationship with it. Um, and uh, because they became more business people than creators. And it's it was like this heartbreaking story that you you did not hear from yeah. the I Love Lucy side, which was just like a really amazing thing. And their relationship really blossomed even more after they divorced, mm. uh, which is mm. always interesting to hear. Um, but Ankit, any interest in Lucy and Desi? No, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you guys were being so passionate after about all that. Like, that? Don't, 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 don't pass the mic to me. <laughs> I've got a tear in my eye. Let's go. I, I I'm just if, like eating up half a sandwich and off. <laughs> I think if I was to be asked, like, what my favorite type of film is, action and drama are definitely up there. But God, do I love a good documentary! Like, I am oh, a yeah. sucker for something mm -hmm. like this, uh, and it it latched me on right away. Like, I was. I was right there with that's the thing though it's like i don't watch a lot of documentaries but when i do i'm like this is great i should watch more documentaries. i hear you all right sean this is a kanye free podcast but we'll make a uh make an exception here for yeah Gina. I, won't, I won't be i won't be uh advising anything towards uh like my thoughts on kanye i'm talking about <laughs> the documentary purely um but uh you know yeah this one is called a uh, genius oh shit i just got that Genius, genius, genius. Holy shit. No, you didn't just get that. No, I got that a while ago. Um, but in this case, uh, <laughs> so this is a uh, three part documentary about Kanye West, um, which each part is an hour and a half long. So I consider them like kind of a trilogy of films. What's interesting is the first part is about him trying to get his record label. Uh, the next part is about him wrapping through the wire. And the third part is everything else from through the wire to now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll sort of explain that. But what I really love about this is the criticisms have been that like, wow, they're packing a little bit too much in that third part because it looks like it's impossible to fit everything in there. And what I like about that is that the director, Cootie, um, was following him around for a very long time, like, you know, through the beginning all the way. But obviously Kanye started to ditch him towards the third part. And so he begins to, the filmmaker begins to turn the camera on himself. And it is more of just a study of how he is looking at Kanye through the way we are all looking at him. But then occasionally he's invited to a certain party. Occasionally he's invited to a meeting with Kanye. Occasionally he's invited to something else with him there. So we see how Kanye, you know, has sort of changed or how he has been the same the whole time. When we see him walking through the record studio going into various different record exec offices, like the waiting rooms of them, playing his music and looking around to see if anyone notices. You <laughs> notice there's already that insecurity. This is someone that also like takes out his retainer, puts it on the table while like there's, um, there's one of the uh, one of the uh, pr uh, other music producers that uh, want to try to, uh, you know, like sample his record. 
Um, and it's like, and they're just like, is that your retainer right there? What are you doing? Get rid of that. And he just cares about like, Hey, no, do you want to try to like, you know, sample something on Jesus walks right now, please? Like, like, you know, do you want to do something like that or him rapping along to whatever he can, or seeing that he has that raw talent. Um, and then it goes to through the wire where he's getting that approval, where he's getting like um, the, the second one where he's getting that approval constantly and he's starting to rise up a little bit more. And you see that, you know, he's he's willing to go wherever he can. <laughs> and then we just start to lose it with this. I, And then there's a moment where he's in a crowded stage and like we're like it's the, it's the sample of the album. Um, I forget which album it was, but it's one of his like recent ones, not the most recent, but one of his recent ones. It's and not he's, Donda. It's not Donda. It's the one before it, I believe. He's playing it to the entire crowd, and he's like, what do you guys think of it? And he's looking around to see what everyone thinks, just like he was in the first movie in the waiting room. I, I remember seeing this, and I'm like, okay, so I don't know if Cootie realized he had like such a brilliant character arc mm -hmm. on his hands here, where there's still more to go with this guy, because we don't know what he's going to do. But it does not... It does not bash him, which, you know, I could argue, I think it should, but it doesn't, this, this documentary does not bash him. It does not worship him. It does not even like give him the out of like, you know, dealing with like some of the craziness. And I, I, I'm using crazy flippantly and I shouldn't be. It's like some of his like mental issues that he probably does have. And it's, it's instead just sort of analyzing what he is in this culture. And it's, Whew, it, it was a ride when I watched this. I really, I was happy I watched it by the end. I didn't know if I would enjoy it as much as I did, but damn. What is this on again? This is on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know if he got approval. I, I think you have to, but. Uh, um, it's just very interesting to me. Have you, um, let's not forget he ran for president of the United States. That's um, in there. That is <laughs> that. <laughs> That's about 20 minutes. <laughs> You guys ever watch uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you, are you caught up on it on Kit? Uh, no, I'm a few episodes in this last season, but I'm not really caught so up. So the very first episode of this season is them trying to uh, uh, justify their PPP loans that they've taken. Yeah. Uh, and the whole time they keep talking about their guy in Washington and like uh, voting for their guy and you think right. it's Trump. And by the end, they're like, no, what are you talking about? We voted for Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just great absolutely great oh, um, yeah i i can't I, say that i'm interested in that one <laughs> no i i won't lie i mean that that is just something where it's you, you got to have an open mind when you're when you're jumping in there it's yeah. it's going to be a crazy pool but it it's not as it's not what you think it's going to be where it's just i don't know i don't i don't know the best way to put it where um yeah uh so the other one very quickly um and uh it's yeah it's a after yang it is a beautiful film nice. about nice. loss and family and a mix of like the sci-fi um it's lame to always say like black mirror kind of stuff with this i hate doing that but like this is has that sort of level to it um Colin Farrell, who is just amazing in, uh, you know, Batman, uh, the Batman is uh, like amazing in, in an entirely different way yeah. in this movie, but still like in an exceptional way. So you could see that it performances go everywhere. But really this one, um, I mean, I will just say kind of kind of slow, uh, kind of slow throughout it. Um, and so that, that, that made it a little bit tough for me. But for the most part, after Yang was definitely an absolute treat. Nice. You sent me a really funny text message during it. <laughs> what did I say during it? Oh, wait, yeah. The robot was actually a person at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th there may have been a point where I wasn't, I don't know, not maybe not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Ankit, you have you've been watching uh, award hopefuls as well as Pam and Tommy. Hit yes, us I, need, I need to balance the two out. You know, <laughs> watch a nice dramatic indie movie. And those, then... those work together. Yeah. <laughs> <Same thing. laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. I mean, this time of year, I just like to crack away the award hopefuls. Um, mm-hmm. See if anything deserves the hype that it deserves to get. I guess. Uh, so I've seen pretty much all the best picture nominees. I still have to see Drive My Car and West Side Story. West Side Story, I know, just launched on Disney Plus, so mm-hmm. I will be watching that. The theaters were still closed in Canada when it was like up and running. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you What do you guys feel about the the nominees this year? I'm like pretty underwhelmed. I like them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to watch Drive My Car. I completely mm-hmm. forgot that it went to streaming here. Yeah. Uh, so it's on HBO Max. So I'm gonna yeah. probably get to that this weekend. Um. But I don't the are the award season's just been crazy. Like I'm I'm riding Coda right now because I want to see like that yeah. upset. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's Col- yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's it's a mishmash for me. I mean, there, there's for the most part like I I mean I I like pretty much I like all ten. There's a couple that I'm a little bit sour on, but oh, really? um, you know there are a few that I uh, I know that are a little bit boring for some, and oh, you know no. they're not a big fan of them, um, and others that you know are entertaining, heartwarming, and good for like all audiences. And I don't mean that in like a rating system way. I mean like you know they can reach like the, I always say like it passes the parent test. Like you know would I recommend this movie to my parents? And that's that's the way I want to see it where like, you know, Oh, we could all enjoy this movie. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, I definitely am. I too am rooting for Coda, I would say, or, mm-hmm. or Dune purely just from yeah. a filmmaking standpoint. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah. It's not even that the others are bad at all. Like it's, I, all the ones I saw, like I, I genuinely enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's like, if you're nominated for best picture, there's like a certain level you should be at and i don't know i just felt like most of the movies <clears throat> this year that are nominated weren't at that level i don't know maybe it's just because i'm not like in the film community anymore on instagram <laughs> that i'm not as like into it but i don't know i just feel like detached from a lot of it yeah i can see that I, they are it's a very diverse field in terms of the type of movies that are nominated this year for best picture uh so it, it it's going to be an interesting finish <laughs> yeah. yeah um and then pam and tommy it's fun, <laughs> you know, like it's uh, uh, really digging the casting. I never would have thought of Sebastian Stan um, in that role, uh, but everyone's doing a really good job. What about uh, Jason Manzoukas, um in his role? He is the penis, right? He's the penis. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that's, Joe, have I, you I, seen I this? <laughs> I, I know, but I know that there's a whole thing. <laughs> Jason Manzoukas plays Tommy Lee's penis. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm gonna tell my girlfriend that because we were watching it. I was like, I think, I think that's Jason Matsuki. She's like, no, it's, it's like you know, he has that very distinct voice. I would have loved it if she was just like, no, that's a penis. <laughs> like, I think that's Jason Matsuki. No. Uh, okay, good. I'm, I'm glad to know I'm validated. Uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun show. I we have the one episode left. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just cool to see a story from like something i've grown up with you know like it's uh, yeah. happened in my lifetime and i can actually have i have a reference uh to go for can yeah. i tell you that as soon as you said jason manzoukas i was like of course he did that like that is there's <laughs> nobody else that i would peg for that that's more perfect for it they they, they called him and he said like he, he didn't even come close to hesitating he was like <laughs> yep nope happening <laughs> like, oh crazy, boy crazy. 
All right, let's dive into our news. We have a lot to cover, but we're going to get through some of it fast because we've talked about uh, some of it already. Uh, we talked about the Batman ad nauseum, but we are uh, getting two spinoff shows. One originally was going to be focused on the Gotham City Police Department, which had a lot of people scratching their heads since we did have a whole series focused on that. Oh, Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we uh, have since learned that that has kind of been reimagined and moved into something more focused on the Arkham Asylum, uh, which is pretty cool. And today, uh, the Penguin spinoff series starring Colin Farrell uh, got a straight-to-series order for HBO Max. Um, so, Ankit, both of these, are, are you excited for both of them? One of them? None of them? Uh, what's, um, what's your feel? Both of them, definitely. I am glad they made the shift from Gotham Police to Arkham. Uh, not to say anything, I love what, uh, what was done with the Gotham Police in the movie, but I don't know, I feel like there's so much more to do with Arkham. And I don't know, maybe maybe I got hacked, but me and my buddy were having a conversation about this. Um, and, you know, we were just spitballing after the first, like the big Batman trailer, like what the sequel could be about. And we both came to the conclusion it would be awesome if there was an Arkham specific story yeah. where it's like a horror movie that like Batman is trapped in Arkham and he has to fight his way out. And oh. it's like Hugo Strange locked him in there and he's just like <laughs> releasing all the all the rogues gallery that he locked up. So it's just, it's like a weird shutter Island type movie. Yeah. And it kind of looks like this is happening. <laughs> like it's, I've heard from Matt Reese that it's going to be like a horror based show, which sounds awesome. And I really want them to like, it just explore the entire rogues gallery, you know? Yeah. Just that would be a great setup for obscure a person. Yeah. Just bring him in. Uh, yeah, so I'm very happy that. with that. And um, yeah, I'm also really, really happy with the penguin. I, again, I, I said what I said up top. Yeah. yeah. Well, we already know that the Joker is hanging out in Arkham. So that would be, I, I wonder if we're going to get like more of kind of the, what if it's like a period piece of Arkham, <laughs> you know, like how that came to be. Like, I, I would be interested in that too, but I, I really do like that they're going to flesh this out a little bit more um, because I'm, I'm trying to think real quick to the other movies, aside from the references of somebody being in there or somebody breaking out of there, we haven't really gotten a thorough look at what, the workings of it are who else is in there no we haven't sean your thoughts i mean i'm thinking you know one of the uh huge issues with uh, the batman was the uh barry keegan joker um at, at the end as people were just like either they couldn't see it or they hated the look of it or they hated the sound of it or they didn't like that it was there or something like that i'd say this is probably the opportunity they're going to use or the opportunity they have to make this look great and to have like maybe like the 10 episode, maybe not center around him, but he'll be one of the stars. Um, you know, you'll bring Dano in there, a few other different people. Um, I heard, and I can't remember where I heard it and how I heard it and in what context I heard it, but I heard Calendar Man. And I don't know in like, but like apparently he's chilling there. There's rumors yeah. of that going on. Um, so that would be interesting. In terms of Penguin, they were already going for that series order beforehand. And I think they were waiting for, you know, they, they were already going for the series order because they've already seen what Colin Farrell was doing. Yeah. And they said, okay, this guy needs a series. They're waiting for the public reaction, which yeah. they knew was going to be probably good. So now right away, boom, this is a series order. We're ready to bring this in. So I think that's what both of these are. Like you said, thank God they're not doing like a Gotham PD. First of all, you know, PD shows, not exactly the most popular thing right now. Um, so like maybe just do like something else that, uh, you know, isn't going down that avenue. But also once again, season, the three seasons of Gotham, it's like the exact same thing. So I'm happy that they're doing this instead. 
What if they branch out into shows like series, just like they do the Chicago series, like Gotham Med, Gotham PD, <laughs> Gotham, you know? Gotham Med. Um, I, he has a pencil in his skull. <laughs> so yeah, it's like Grey's Anatomy, like Gotham Anatomy. Yeah, just hot doctors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so the thing with Calendar Man that's interesting is he is. Um, very present in what many believe the source material was originally mm-hmm. for yeah. this, uh, the Batman. Yeah, it's the Long um, Halloween, right? I yeah, in the Long yeah. Halloween. Uh, and the, the two other things. One is that the, so slight spoiler, I guess, but if you get to the end of the Batman, uh, there's they promote that website again, and people went on the website, and it ended up leading to um, something to decode, and people have decoded it that basically points to a return of the Riddler. Um, so I don't think we've seen the last of him in whatever way that's going to pop up. The other thing is there's two, apparently two additional deleted scenes, uh, with, um, the Joker. So uh, from the movie, so that's going to be interesting to see. I think one of them was an interaction with Pattinson. Um, but I, I wonder if that play, I know that they were testing both versions at one point with like more Joker presence and less Joker presence. And clearly they went with less, um, but I also wonder if that's part of like shifting some of that narrative and what they would have explored or introduced to this to give him more of a a pull. Because I I'm jokered out a little bit, but mm-hmm. to put him in the Arkham Asylum and have him kind of be like the quarterback of the craziness, I'm all about that. Oh, well, at least they're doing well with the Batman because they have no idea what they're doing with everything else. They, um, DC League of, League of Super Pets, which I've been on the record as saying is my most anticipated movie of 2022. You're going to be uh, okay, bud. <laughs> <laughs> is moving to July 29th. The, the biggest... So I'll run over these real quick. Um, Aquaman 2 is moving to March of next year from December. Um, the f- Shazam is moving up to December, which is really fascinating because they said that it's COVID-related. Uh, but Shazam was the most recent one to finish filming. So like, I don't totally get that because like, whatever. And the other one that you pushed is an animated movie. Uh, but anyway, and Aquaman, you're in front of a damn green screen the whole time. There's one dude there on strings. Like I I saw entourage. I know how it's filmed. God damn it. Um, I want my Aquaman so freaking bad. Oh, you love Aquaman. The biggest move here. The biggest move here is that the Flash, which is set to uh, reset the DCEU in some way, has been moved eight months back to June of next year, which is really wild. This movie was originally announced in 2014 to be released in 2018, and now it's going to be released in 2023 as of now. Um, it's like kind of getting it's it's like the Morbius effect. Like it's getting pushed left and right. Um, there, I have to bring this up because, of course, it always pops up when DC does anything. Uh, the Snyder Bros are out in full force on Twitter right now. And the the theory, the conspiracy theory they're running with is Discovery's very big on uh, HBO Max number one, as well as the, with the Snyder Cut and the success that they had with that. And there's been uh, support expressed in the past for that that merger or whatnot is happening. It's, I think it's, it's done soon or whatnot. Um, their theory is that it might have something to do with discovery coming in and wanting to incorporate more. Oh, Snyder. No, no, for the love of God, stop doing this to yourselves. Stop doing Even it. Snyder's over it. Why are they still going for it? No, he he's not. He's that. doing weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, he's at least doing other things. He's like, that's, that's part of my life. That's gone. But everyone else is just like, we need 
beat this universe. I see. I'm a firm believer that there is something in the works. I don't think it's going to be like I don't think it, they delayed all their movies because of it. Um, I do think they're leaving the door open if they wanted to do some follow ups on HBO Max. They totally could. Um, but I, I just thought that was funny because, of course, that's always coming up. Um, what do you think about these moves? I mean, if it is COVID related, sure, I guess, but it's being met with uh, some uh, confusion at a time where COVID uh, is really, uh, we're doing well in the fight against it right now. But Sean, your, your thoughts here. I can't, I can't find what Warner brothers is going to release for the rest of the year. That's like it's, it's super pets and that's it. Like this is, they're like trying to tank themselves. I'm sure there's other movies possibly. And it's weird to have like COVID related. Yeah. COVID related announcements at this time. Yeah. I don't know if they're trying to push a narrative. Um, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And some of these are ridiculous. I mean, like from November 4th to June 23rd, we're probably going to have our next, uh, next variant by then. <laughs> like they're, they're, if they're playing this far ahead, it's not going to work. Yeah, Loki um, season two will be filming at that point, so we'll definitely I get can, new variants. Uh, <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of baffled by this, and to have them all like announced at once, also, it, it's not suspicious. It's almost like they're being too, um, uh, uh cl- clear with uh, their vision of, uh, we don't have a lack movies. of vision. <laughs> Yeah, like we don't have like we don't have anything. We're in trouble. Please help us. They like, also just three weeks ago or a month ago released a video. Yep. Remember that everyone was like hyping up that it was like yeah, we need heroes. Hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now all of them are not releasing this year. Well, except for where are the heroes? Yeah, <laughs> where <them>. are the <laughs> heroes? <laughs> well, I love the ones that also like are moving back like a month. Like I always was fascinated by that. Like Morbius did that for a while. It's like they did like 18 moves back one month. And it was just like, buddy, just go the six months. That's the time to go six months. Mm-hmm. Like, and then like this one, it's like Black Adam. It's like, yeah, we're gonna move back a couple of days. Well, um, and Black, Black Adam's the other one that's a little like surprising, be- not surprising, but it's it's happened so many times. I guess it's not surprising because of that. Um, but that's been a development hell for the longest time, too. So Ankit, any of these that you're really looking forward to? uh no (laughs) short answer um listen i think warner brothers does not know how to make a cinematic universe Mm -hmm. they've proven it time and time again they can't like just stick to the auteur director doing their vision of like a one-off film like that's awesome they've done really really well with that i don't know i just like every time i hear about this kind of stuff i just automatically like chalk it up to you know what warner brothers they can't make up their decision there's too much uh, bureaucracy too much like dick measuring up in the boardrooms like i don't know i i guess aquaman i did like aquaman like the first one i was about to say i was about to just completely drag you for not saying be excited for aquaman i genuinely (laughs) liked the first aquaman a lot um so i mean i guess that's the only one (laughs) I don't think anyone's upset that Meg 2 got pushed. Listen, that's a date announcement. <laughs> I'm very excited for Meg 2. Oh, also, that's that's the announcement. Oh, that's good. That's Wonka. like that's almost like a positive. Oh, Wonka. okay, that did get pushed. Oh, all right. Wonka has moved to award season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does it does that's have award worthy actors. Yep. It's got like Hugh Grant, who's kind of like you know been looking for that first Oscar nom. It's got Olivia Coleman. It's got Chalamet. Let's get some let's get some noms up in there for Wonka and for Aquaman because it's the best picture movie. I'm just rereading this real quick uh, in Deadline, and they say the change. They're hearing that the changes are due in part to COVID, which is really fascinating because it's not like one movie like was having 
they needed more time or whatever. They moved a shit ton of movies here, um, which is just fascinating to me. But DC will DC, or I guess not even that. WB will WB. Uh, and Unless they're really the just thing. hoping for like <laughs> HBO con- like TV shows to really yeah. keep them running. God, I don't know. That's well, a sad thought. And that's the other thing I didn't even think about. Blue Beetle's now going to be released in theaters in August of next year. So they didn't say anything about that getting pushed. Um, yeah. But that's another DC movie. Batgirl is slated for apparently December of this year on HBO Max. So like, there's a lot of content coming up. But I, I, if they're going to try to interweave them, which at least with Batgirl they are because Keaton's involved in Batgirl, then like that's going to have to move. There's just I don't understand what they do. Like I think you're exactly right, Ankit. They just don't have any idea what the hell they're it's doing. Best not to put any sort of expectation on Warner Brothers. <laughs> Trust me, it helps. Well, my expectations are very high for this casting news of Florence Pugh joining Dune Part Two. Um, this is this was rumored a little bit ago, yeah. and or fan cast or something like that. But anyway, anyway, her name was ta- uh, tied to it. She would play Princess Irulan Carino, Irulan Carino, uh, daughter of Emperor Shaddam Carino the Fourth. Oh. Her. Yes, <laughs> rolls, um, rolls off the tongue. I am not familiar with the story, clearly, uh, nor the characters. Um, but Ankit, your thoughts on Florence Pugh joining this already really good cast? I I love it. I really really love it. Um, I like Florence Pugh, but I love it more for the reason that I don't know for some reason this like book that was released in the, when was it released? Like the nineteen sixties? Yeah, like, like this old sci fi. Um, fantasy book from back then has now become this like hub for just next generation talent yeah. like Zendaya, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh and I personally think that's so so important it, it, at least with Denis Villeneuve at the helm like you're essentially introducing like next generation to good film Yeah, you know you're giving them a blockbuster but you're giving them quality and you're showing them it doesn't all have to be the big CGI explosion fest you can watch movies that are a bit more cerebral but also have that kind of like flair behind it. So that's why I'm excited for this. Honestly, like fucking bring Tom Holland in, bring like all the young people that he, I'm, I'm serious. Like, like really give young people um, good movies. And then you could get out of this like blockbuster yeah. connected universe franchises. Hell we're in right now. Well, Robert Pattinson said he wanted to be in this as well. So do it. There uh, we go. You know, I got messages about that today. As soon as I said Florence or yesterday, whenever I posted about Florence, Pugh, they're like Robert Pattinson as well. I'm like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell them. Um, Sean, Florence Pugh, you're a Pugh stan, aren't you? I'm quite a Pugh stan. Um, I'm well, uh, a Pugh better name for her. <laughs> yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of something right now. Like, uh, you know, I'm a Pew Pew. Um, but. <laughs> So, um, Sean's always going for like a revised video at the beginning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hey, yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a Pew Stan, if you will. Um, I also love the idea of uh, starting to fill out this cast. Um, I don't know how the characters work. I also am not a, uh, familiar with the source material. Um, we lost a lot of actors in uh, the last one. Um, well, because we lost the characters, we didn't lose the actors. But um, we uh, lost a lot of those characters, and therefore. Um, we want to bring those money making faces back, those beautiful money making faces. We want to bring them back. We want to, like, you know, have like a draw in there to keep this going because there has been like, you know, people have voiced that concern. I don't agree with that concern where it's like, you know, oh, are there, are there enough celebrities for Dune Part Two to be interesting? I think, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. What are we talking about? But 
that that has been a concern that has been out there. So when that happens, I always like like put that in the back of my head, and then it just like is squawking for a while, and I can't control it. Um, so Oppenheim, Oppenheimer, yeah, Oppenheimer will be done filming at that point. So about we'll just, 40, forty-five <laughs> actors will be. We'll available. just pull back the dump truck to the desert and just. <laughs> 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 have your actors just <laughs> bang the side of the truck get out <laughs> here are your white men enjoy <laughs> oh my god i mean let's face it what has it been the past like eight announcements yeah um, i mean I, I wasn't gonna say it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i think that uh yeah this is i hope this is the start in other words, of uh, several more of, uh, you know, just young. And I always love to see that, like, you know, young talent, the talent that we've seen in a few things. Yeah, something like Robert Pattinson, um, something like, uh, you know, I'm thinking, trying to think about, you know, like an Anya Taylor-Joy or something like that, where, you know, they're coming in a little bit. And Evan Peters, if you will, uh, someone that's, like, just been showing themselves a little bit and uh, they come in there. I'm not saying they fit anywhere. I'm just saying, like, someone at that level. No, it's funny how I'm like putting them in tears as you're saying them, right? Like, yeah. I put like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, even Zendaya, Zendaya uh, as well as Florence Pugh, and like an upper echelon, like an upper tier. And then when you said Evan Peters, I was like, yeah, he's good, but not like Timothy yeah. Chalamet good. <laughs> oh God, no, yeah, <laughs> you know. So um, it's it's just funny thinking about like we have yeah. a lot of young talent out there, but we also have a lot of like award worthy young talent out mm-hmm. there. Which and then I'd even put Tom Holland in that second level, yeah. not like. I, I think he's phenomenal and he does what he does well. Um, but in terms of like delivering like a Timothy Chalamet level performance or a Florence Pugh level performance, um, I would put him on that level too. We'll see what Holland does after Fred Astaire. Cause I just watched a Fred Astaire movie last night and I'm like, this is going to go very interesting. <laughs> Cherry too. Um, <laughs> that movie was terrible. There, there's another, what's turning into an ensemble cast that I'm kind of getting really interested in. This is a movie that I wanted nothing to do with when it was first announced. <laughs> Um, but Craven the Hunter is one of Sony's long gestating uh, movies. <laughs> I, don't, I, I started saying it. I'm like, don't use this. Don't say gestating. Don't, don't say um, gestating. Anyway, Craven the Hunter. <laughs> it's been in development for quite a while. Uh, and uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to lead. Uh, this is, of course, a uh, who becomes a villain ultimately to Spider-Man. Uh, who has superhuman abilities that allow him to expertly track his prey. So we knew that uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson was in it. We also knew that Fred Heckinger uh, was in it as well. He was in White Lotus, and he'll play uh, the villain slash half-brother Chameleon. Uh, Russell Crowe is in this, <laughs> um, I, you know, because uh, Russell Crowe be crowing. Uh, and uh, J.C. Chandor from Triple Frontier and Margin Call is directing this. Uh, the three editions that we got in the past week – the first was Ariana DeBose. Now, this is so funny to me because she like won the SAG Award, right? Is that what it was? <laughs> She's going to be winning an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the day after, they're like, oh, let's capitalize on uh, adding her to uh, Craven the Hunter as Calypso. Worst announcement timing ever. <laughs> so she's in this. Um, Alessandra Nivola, who mm-hmm. was in The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, awesome dude, by the way. I actually had the opportunity to interview him in person when they were doing press. Um, and it's crazy how his career is like taking off later because he's been in a ton of shit if you look at his imdb um but he's joining as an unidentified villain is what the story is what the story said and then today we learned that christopher abbott from possessor uh is joining as well and he's rumored to be playing the foreigner who is a mercenary and assassin without superpowers and again a frequent villain of spider-man as they all seem to be sean as our resident comic book guy 
Um, not a horrible idea much, to have me as the comic book guy. <laughs> not knowing much about them at all. Does, <laughs> is this starting to interest you? Because it's it's fleshing out differently than I think some other projects from Sony have. It's there, there's an interest. I mean, this cast is great. Uh, yeah. The cast is really the one thing that's holding the interest. I think the the Spider-Man villain movies are just all going to hold this same. And hey, I haven't seen Morbius yet, and no one ever will. But <laughs> um, like you know, between Venom, it was kind of like, can I be a hero while also being a villain? And I think like feel like through the trailers, Morbius, can I be a hero while also trying to be a villain? And then I think Craven the Hunter is going to be, can I be a hero? Uh, and I'm sick of that same pattern for every single one of these. And I hope that maybe this will do something a little bit different, a little bit darker, a little bit diabolical. <laughs> um, thank God Ariana DeBose is basically running unopposed for that Oscar right now because this could be the kind of announcement that like shakes things up a little bit if there was like someone that she was neck and neck with there could be some snobby people voting and saying like comic book um and you know possibly like choosing the other person but uh she, she she's uh pretty much safe to win um asada Navala and uh, christopher abbott are like kind of like these when we do those tiers they are like at that sort of like middle tier level but they really are at the top tier like their talents are sort of like kind of this like unforeseen um, and unheard of kind of level that really they haven't been given that potential. So hopefully they do. And actually, in some ways, they both have been given that potential now that I think of some of their movies. But uh, they, it hasn't been seen or appreciated enough. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, Ankit, what about you in terms of Craven the Hunter? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll admit like some of the casting choices are starting to make the scene, make the uh, film look good uh, but also at the same time the first Venom movie it's Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed and that didn't help the movie <laughs> one one bit you know so I feel like sometimes with the Spider-Man universe the Sony Spider-Man universe um, casting does is used to disguise a weak script uh, in a weak movie and personally I could not care less about the Sony Spider-Verse like I'm like you know what keep pushing Morbius, like <laughs> April 1st, push it to December, like just keep, just keep going. No like, one's going to see it. No, <laughs> Breaking aside, <news. laughs> yeah. aside from the Spider-Verse franchise, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's true. no, I, I, I don't think uh, this uh, like standalone vil villain universe has really been hitting it for me. Like Madam Web, come on. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing oh, here? Oh boy. You know? They're really hoping to, you know, build their own wing of Marvel success. And I yeah. mean, with Tom Holland, Spider-Man, they're doing well. But I think once they start branching out into this other stuff, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah. But to like Sean's point, yeah, make it different. Like, I would love if this Craven movie is not that like balancing <laughs> the line between good and evil. Like, make him straight, make him just straight up evil. And by the end of the movie, he's just worse. And he's like, now I want to kill Spider-Man. I'm like, all right. I'm down for that. It's I want it to be all be. of them just all these villains just like fucking each other over the entire movie. Like that's all I want. Like trying to one up <laughs> each other. That would be amazing. Oh boy. Well, we knew that movie was coming, but we certainly didn't know that an I Am Legend sequel was coming. Nor did we know that uh, Will Smith himself was going to star in it with Michael B. Jordan. Um, we don't really know much about it other than uh, spoiler alert: Will Smith's character is dead. Um, and uh, yeah. So that's happening. <laughs> uh, they're both producing it. Uh, the original writer is returning to write the script. And that's basically the story. But Ankit, I don't know if you were like paying attention online when this first broke. And it was kind of like, oh, wow, that's crazy. How? Why? 
what michael b jordan's in it in on it now too like what's going on what are your thoughts of this yeah this came as a complete shock i didn't even know this was like happening i i love the original i'm legend i remember like seeing it in theaters back when it came out like loved the film i don't yeah i don't know like a lot of people are speculating it's going to be like that alternate universe because there was an alternate ending where he survived um so i mean i wonder if they'll do that i doubt Will Smith would sign on to a movie just to play like a flashback role or like a like a cameo of some sort. So I definitely think he's going to be a main character. It's not going to be kind of like Michael B. Jordan is playing his son and he has flashbacks about his dad. I doubt that's going to be the direction they're taking. But I'll, I wouldn't be surprised though if this just ends up like all those other dystopian movies. You know, where it's like, first you fought the monsters, then you learn to live with the monsters. Now the real monsters are men. Humans, yeah. <laughs> and then you got to fight the people. You got to fight the people. Like, you know, that make that statement about, are we really the monsters? I, I do think that's what's going to happen, though. Will Smith survives, and he's, like, actually a monster now, and he's just kept in, like, one of those cages the entire time. Like, that's the whole role. He, well, his- you're, but you're exactly right that he doesn't sign on to bad shit. Like, I, I think back to, like, Independence Day re- Resurgence, um and he was like he wasn't in it <laughs> because apparently he looked at it and was like uh fuck no um number one and you know he has been recently talking about someone asked him what his worst movie ever was and he says wild wild west all the time which is uh pretty accurate mm-hmm. um but since then he's had a pretty good run especially when you're in contention for uh, an oscar right now sean <laughs> ah, yes <laughs> I had, I had good points that I totally spaced on him. Um, but no, that no, that, uh, totally fine. Um, I mean, all I know is that he did sort of find the cure for the thing. And uh, so I think that there's something you could do where if he is a zombie, he has the cure now so he can maybe like, you know, cure himself and, you know, work through that. And, you know, so as a zombie to himself. I I think I think my main issue with this and listen, I I uh, I loved I Am Legend. I still like I Am Legend, but there's there's portions of it that haven't aged well. Like maybe this in the world we live in now, we don't have a movie where there's a vaccine that turns everyone into bloodthirsty vampires. I think like at this point, I'm like, I'm like, there'll be people standing up in the theater being like, see, and I just, I I don't know if I can deal with that. So (laughs) that might be my one problem. Other than that, bring Michael B. Jordan into awesome action movies that don't bore me like that Taylor Sheridan film did last year. (laughs) Yeah. It's boring. That was so boring. <laughs> like, what, was that? what was that called? Without remorse? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, that one. the military movie. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a journal for Jordan. I was like, oh, was it that bad? <laughs> that was an action movie. Yeah, that was an action. I didn't hear the action part. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I it's it seems like a weird timing for a movie based around this subject. Um, <laughs> and also just like not having any idea of how it could actually happen is going to be uh fodder for internet chatter as we get some more casting and move closer to it um the last story is oh god sorry i was gonna say did they say it's a direct sequel they i don't know that they yeah okay i am sequel i am i am am sequel sequel. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god once again (laughs) just like in cantu it has to be i am sequel sequel. (laughs) Um, yeah, I yeah. have no idea. I, it's going to yeah. be fascinating what's going on. Because I know but, Will Smith, he um, he said he really liked the take for like the Fresh Prince reboot, where it's like mm, um, it's like a dramatic reboot. Like they take the same ideas, but just like 
rebooted into a different kind of like tone and universe. So I didn't know if it was a direct sequel. Maybe they could do that or so. It's a reimagined kind of comedy. I yeah. am legend. will just be a comedy instead of <laughs> yes. a... it's a musical. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a musical. Um, no, they're saying that the um, I'm trying to skim through real quick. Uh, and apparently the idea came up and they really loved the idea. They said it was a cool concept and it is considered to be, yeah, upcoming sequel. So that should be interesting. Um, going back to Dune Part 2 and to what we were talking about earlier with the schedule for 2023, Dune Part 2 is also scheduled for next year. Um, so like that's another huge release for next year in October. They also have the color purple. They have Blue Beetle. They have Meg <laughs> to the Trench. They have Coyote versus Acme, which is like, you know, everyone's waiting for that one. Um, and then Last Train to New York, the uh, Train to Busan remake. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, no, no. Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> what are they on the F train or something? <laughs> what, is this? what is going on here? Why? Just make people like Korean content now. Just make Dude, them watch the original. <laughs> it's on Netflix. We all watched it during the pandemic for obvious reasons. It was freaking great, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the last story here. This is about 20th Century Studios, and uh, of course, it's now under Disney. Uh, some interesting stuff came out during their specific, uh, I guess, earnings call it was. Um, but essentially, here's the news. By 2023, the studio is going to be making at least 10 films exclusively for Hulu a year. Uh, the Predator prequel Prey, Predator prequel Prey, is still slated for release this summer. I believe that's going to Hulu, if I remember correctly. Um, there also was reference to more free guy movies. Uh, so plural. Uh, more free guy movies or more free guy movies? More, more free guy movies. But like more, like all right. And a script <laughs> for the sequel is just about done. Uh, so we'll be hearing more about that too. Avatar two will release this year, and that was confirmed again today uh, on the in it's the presentation by no, Bob Chapek. <laughs> it will um, obviously. <laughs> A third script based on the Agatha Crispy. Crispy. <laughs> you did that last week. You did that last week. Agatha now, that's a movie I want to see. <laughs> Agatha uh, Crispy. Back crack, crackle and pop from the serial. Yeah, um, the, anyway, there's a third script. Kenneth Branagh is expected to return and direct and star and all that stuff. Um, and then also there's a draft of a new Planet of the Apes film script. So uh, who knows what's going on with that? That's going to be directed by Wes Ball, who did the Maze Runner series. Um, so they're, they're trying to like stake their, you know, and remember this is a, a separate company essentially, but it's under mm. Disney's umbrella too. So there's just so much content coming out of the mouse house. That's just wild to me. Uh, but any of these stand out for better or for worse? I, I mean, like we, we both shook our heads and interrupted you, but there's just no way in goddamn hell that Avatar 2 is going to be released this year. There's just I I cannot see a world where that happens. They this, recommitted to it today. Oh, oh man. Uh, it's just like just after maybe it's just because we saw 18 films get moved back. I know it's a different studio, but like it's just it, it, it oh boy. Avatar, like I just never thought we'd ever see it and even this soon just seems too crazy. Soon. This seems this feels soon. I don't. It's not, but it feels soon for an <laughs> so Avatar like movie. A decade or something. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's soon. Over <laughs> oh, a decade. <laughs> How about you, Ankit? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, same sentiments about Avatar two. I'm surprised they're trying a new Planet of the Apes franchise. Um, I mean, the Matt Reeves 
the franchise was really, really good. And I thought they ended it at a nice spot. So I don't know if they're going to just try to remake the same old original story. Um, how many times are, gonna, are they going to try the Predator? Oh, it's never working. It's not working, man. It's not working. <laughs> well, also, isn't a prequel to the Predator just like kind of the entire movie of the Predator? Like, kind of. But this is yeah. also set up. Um, let me try to pull it real quick. It is, yeah, it's set in the Great Plains in 1719. Oh, what does that mean? That's silly. That doesn't add anything. What is Sam, so? Wait, Sam, what's it hide Sam with? Oh, said, he... Sam Elliott said that wasn't Sam filmed. Sam Elliott and his gay cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my there were no predators when I was around. There was yeah, no yeah. predators. He was a, a, a gay predator. <laughs> there was a predator there. He became invisible. I didn't have that one around there. Um, I I don't. I, I, good news, I guess. I'm good with all this, honestly. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in all of it. I the only one that kind of stood out was uh, as a surprise was the Planet of the Apes, like you said, on yeah. because I felt like they like they're good with that. But it's a franchise, and they're you know every sorry my dog's walking around really loudly. <laughs> um, but there is never going to be a time where they let a franchise just rest. Um, they're always going to tap back into it. So uh, here we are. I, I mean, I love the Free Guy movies. I think that uh, that actually does sound like it could be a lot of fun. I mean, the first one was obviously a blast. Um, you know, you obviously can go back to that well, and you can go to that well in various areas. And like, because it's, you know, there, there's just worlds of video games where you can goof off and have fun. I don't think any of those movies are really going to be like, you know, like this, I hate this word, but masterpieces or anything like that. But like, I, I chuckled my ass off in, in the first one. Like, so. Yeah, I feel like they struck gold unexpectedly with the first one. And that mm-hmm. that's an example of like, just let it be. Yeah, um, I feel you there. But they're not going to do that. So. Oh, no. <laughs> but sorry about uh, Free Guy. I, I'll be honest here. I bootlegged it. And ten, in the last 10 minutes of my stream, the movie switched to Spanish. <laughs> so I don't really know how it ended. <laughs> I, can, I can make it. I can like, put two and two together. I think, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, huh, this is interesting. <laughs> The Guy at the Movies podcast does not condone using LimeWire, Napster, Kazaa, or any of the sort to bootleg <laughs> movies. Did you see LimeWire is coming back, though? They rebranded themselves as NFT-focused. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't just say that and, like, be, like, popular. Like, it's just like, I'm, I'm just going to, let's get popular by being NFT. Everybody freeze for our NFT. Ready? Okay. One, two. Here we go. We got our NFT. Oh, it's like <laughs> Gen Z and early 2K revival just coming together. God. <laughs> Can't handle it. All right. Early let's dive 2K. into it. What? No, just early 2K revivals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's dive into rants and raves. So I've been ranting the past two days about Disney in Florida. I'm not going to get into it too much here, but just direct you to TikTok or Instagram if you are interested. The long and the short of it is Florida just passed a really disgusting bill uh, that is... Uh, very much supported by the governor. uh, And he has signaled from the beginning that he's going to sign it into law. And essentially the bill is being referred to as a don't say gay bill, but it focuses first on K through third grade classrooms saying that there is, (laughs) there goes my dog again. He's like, he's talking about this shit again. Um, (laughs) The, it focuses on the K through third grade classrooms and would um, ban any discussion of gender identity, sexual orientation, um, transgender rights, anything of that sort, anything around inclusion of the LGBTQ community. 
um, and would subject teachers and schools to um, potential legal action uh, if they did. The that is bad in and of itself. The second level of this is that there is language in there that could very easily, it's very vague and it very easily could be used to weaponize other discrimination throughout the state against the LGBTQ community. In a larger picture, this is happening in multiple states on multiple fronts from different, different angles. Um, so it's just rather disgusting where Disney comes into play is Disney has been extremely quiet about it. Um, and I, for one, get very pissy when a large company that, um, it's pretty much like known to be the largest company in the state um, or at least a major player in the state uh, stays quiet on such a large issue when they try to convince us through other media and stuff that they are inclusive and doing, you know, everything that they can to really push inclusivity and all that stuff. Um, the CEO who I am not a fan of uh, issued a, a internal memo to all employees on Tuesday, yesterday, stating that they stand with the LGBTQ community and their employees and they, you know, they're, they wanted to express their unwavering support, but they're just not going to say it publicly, um, which is just bullshit to me. Um, because again, you wield a lot of power. The flip side of this is that Disney has been funding said, uh, sponsors and co-sponsors of the bill financially. Um, which is just, again, bullshit to me. Uh, Today, there was an about face a little bit, which was to be expected because there was a lot of backlash yesterday. Um, but essentially, during the shareholders meeting after the pre-taped presentation of like, here's what's going on at Disney and how everything is before they got the shareholder questions. Um, Bob Chapek, the CEO, shared that he is that he called Governor DeSantis this morning um, and had a very good call. He was like really positive about this call, which was wonderful. Um, but essentially said that they agreed to meet and they're going to bring four members of the LGBTQ community who are in senior management or senior leadership in their, in Florida for Disney to this meeting to discuss the bill. Um, and then past that, they signed on to an HRC initiative uh, fighting against or fighting for LGBT, the preservation of rights and the furtherance of certain rights um, in the country. And then also donated $5 million to advance certain causes. All well and fine. I was satisfied at that point. What annoyed me was when it got to shareholder questions, um, there was one very bigoted man who kind of was going off about the fact that they hold pride. Uh, they have pride merchandise. He didn't say that part, but essentially was alluding to that and that they have pride days. So Disney's always had like unofficial days that were called like gay days or whatever for community to go there. Six Flags Great Adventure does it. A lot of them do it. Disney is solidifying that a little bit more. And I think they're leaning into like a pride parade to celebrate pride month. And I think it goes towards more of their inclusivity and wanting to recognize the different people that are coming into their parks as well. Um, so there was that uh, to which his, so the, the general question from the shareholder was, why are you getting involved in political issues? And he labeled LGBTQ individuals as a political issue, not as like, you know, people. Um, which set me off. Uh, but then uh, Chapek's response was, well, it's tough to thread the needle on political issues, um, which was just a shitty tone deaf response to me because no, the answer should be like, we support human. We support humans. We are human. Um, humans. <laughs> like, this is not hard to do. Yeah, just humans. Um, so that part really frustrated me. And then the second question, I know I'm ranting a little bit on this, but hey, um, the other part was uh, Chapek was asked what he expects to get out of the meeting with Ron DeSantis. 
Um, and he went on again to just say that they had an incredible conversation about the genesis of the bill and the process that went into the bill. Um, and that DeSantis wants to find out what aspects of the bill are most concerning. The whole fucking bill is concerning um, because of the mental health impacts it's going to have on individuals that are directly targeted, you, like youth here who are already suppressed and told to you know keep to themselves about their identities and confused, um, but then also could be weaponized elsewhere. They said he said that DeSantis wants to make sure the bill's language doesn't get weaponized, um, but also like that's like I don't trust that. Because number one, it's been in the bill from the beginning, the language. Uh, DeSantis has had an opportunity to weigh in, has supported it at every uh, every juncture. His press secretary said that anyone who opposes the bill is a groomer, um, meaning like grooming kids for, I guess, whatever they want to, whatever they think. Um, and then he also like, you know, is the same individual that like the Pulse nightclub massacre that was years ago last year. He vetoed funding to support the victims of the Pulse nightclub massacre. So, like, this guy just doesn't like, and and also he's an asshole. So, like, I don't I have no. It's it pisses me off to see Chapek playing this game and acting like everyone is stupid enough to believe that some, something is going to change here. And it's just Disney's way of saving face. They also said that they've been lobbying against it behind the scenes. Like, okay. Um, lobbying against it by throwing the money at the people that were actually supporting it. So I'm just, I'm very frustrated by that. Disney's really pissing me off with it. Someone wrote a letter in uh, and a father read it today during his shareholder question. And he essentially was saying, or she essentially was saying the same thing. She said she literally used the phrase blink and miss it representation um, about yeah. like, just <laughs> when they try to tout, like, look who we have in our movie. And you're like, where? Uh, and she referenced the two women kissing in the back of star Wars. Yep. Um, <laughs> For two and seconds. It, it just like I'm so pissed, and I think because like I'm a Disney holic, I'm someone that has gone to the parks like uh, obscene amount of times. I love Disney movies generally. Um, I really support the company in general. My family's a big Disney family, and this is just a really shitty stance and a failure to stand up as a corporation who provides over seventy five billion dollars in revenue a year to central Florida specifically. Um, and in turn to actually continue giving your money to those individuals who are funding this legalized discrimination. So I just, I, a corporate responsibility is very important to me. Um, and I, I think you're in, in a weird way, not in a weird way, but similarly, we're seeing it with the atrocities happening in Russia and Ukraine with certain companies that have stepped up to pull out of Russia. Um, but then others that were kind of like, guilted into it essentially like disney and pepsi didn't do it until there were petitions going around but um i don't know disney just needs to fucking step up here or stop trying to say that you are inclusive and that you value differences and that you value the people you value their pocketbooks it's very obvious um but it's time to actually like put your money where your mouth is and start valuing the people yeah i mean anyway. i i've okay. <laughs> no, I, I, um just yeah to like sort of piggyback on that just Thinking about the bill, considering it's about teachers, and um, I am a teacher, I work with teachers, um, I uh, like work with a lot of counselors, and I will say that <clears throat> if this bill is what I think it's about, there is just absolutely like no way any teacher would like follow this rule. They would either resign, get fired, or like you know just ignore it. 
And so it is one of those things where I think that like everyone working in a school would be supportive of the kids. And so we, I, I, th th that's how I think it would go. Um, and I am speaking from a place where the state that I live in is actually very supportive and would not be passing a horrific bill like this. Um, so in that regard, I think, you know, thankfully, um, thankfully like i like that but i also think that like hopefully teachers are like that in most uh, states well and two things real quick on tip uh, before i jump over to you if you have anything to add the um it's a it's a slippery slope because we see what's happening in texas and you know you don't have to understand or be a staunch supporter of lgbtq rights or whatnot um just don't be a staunch opponent or hater um or uneducated individual about it and what's happening there is that they act they're, they're basically equating supporting your trans youth um, to child abuse and investigating parents for child abuse and so it's a slippery slope and you got to take all this stuff together the breaking news on this front with disney is that literally minutes ago pixar employees um, the lgbtqia plus employees of pixar and their allies issued a letter um, to disney saying if Disney is true in its values, it will take a decisive public stand against the discriminatory legislation occurring in Florida and offer tangible support for the communities affected by bigoted legislation sleeping the country. Um, stand against this bill in Florida and against the similar bills in South Carolina. And they listed most of our states, unfortunately. Um, we need you to stand with us entirely, not in empty words. Which, like, if you saw my rant earlier, I labeled it empty words because that's exactly what it was. So I'm glad to see internally there's still a push here, too, because, you know, like, put your, again, stand the fuck up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's hard, like, uh, being in Canada, I see all the stuff happening in the States, and it's honestly just, like, dumbfounds me a lot of the time. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, this kind of goes back to why I stopped watching Star Wars. And about the toxic fandoms, I the main thing that drove me to do that is because I hated that Disney did not take the stand. They knew it was a serious problem. They knew that people were being hurt by it. Uh, people like, you know, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks almost committed suicide because yeah. he got all that hate. Like, you cannot just take the stance that we make movies. You know, that's that's our job. It's like the size that you are, the influence that you have, you have like as you guys were saying like you have a responsibility to be a better like to move the society forward you know like i just hate that kind of people put that bucket on a business it's like yep you're a business you you make your product you sell your and you make your money and that's it you stay out of politics but you know what is politics at this point um if people want to take it like that then you know what disney you are a business you have a product and now your customers are some are not happy with your product so what are you going to do about it? If they really want to be that business, then treat it as business and just pretend, okay, yeah, like our, if we're getting all this backlash, like we should do something about it. Because if if we were creating a iPhone and there was a bug in the iPhone and we had to fix it, like that's what we would do. So just treat it like that, you know. I, and again, to your point, you know, Disney has been towing this line for so long. You know, like Beauty and the Beast, they have a small gay moment. <laughs> Star Wars, they have a small gay moment. They try and do all these little things to kind of like just dip their toes in the water. It's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like if you want to appeal and like be um, like progressive, then, then do it. Don't just hide in the background. You're too big of a company to hide in the background. 
my award-winning TikTok video on this said that they've they're dipping their toes in water they should have been swimming in for a long a long time. Um, I just skimmed over real quick uh, a couple other pulls from this letter, um, and not to make this all about this, but I think it's really interesting in, in context. Um, they say we hope that our company would show up for us, but it didn't. And then they also go on to say the Pixar staff claims, "quote." Nearly every moment of overtly gay affection is cut at Disney's behest, regardless of when there is protest from both the creative teams and executive leadership at Pixar. So they're basically saying, like, yeah, we we try and it gets cut. Um, and then they're demanding that Disney immediately withdraw all financial support from the legislators behind the bill. Wow. Whew. Joe's making another TikTok tonight. <laughs> Do it up. That's going to take you a while. You edit those like very, very well. No, I really don't. I stress out really? wet during them. Oh, um, that's that's something then. <laughs> I hate doing them. That's why I, it pisses me off when people like Ankit make such beautiful videos. And I'm like, eh, uh, uh. you also make beautiful videos. Yes, Come sir. on. <laughs> I don't make beautiful videos. I don't know what I'm doing and what I get on that TikTok. Oh, that TikTok. That the TikTok. Um, all right, you got a rave, and this links back to our Batman conversation. Go for it. Sounds good. Do we want to just end on what we did, or do we want to do? I want to do by rave. Do you think? Well, I'm up to you. Whatever you guys think. I can do a rave. All right, so I'll do. Um, you know, so mine is pretty. Uh, also, uh, very important to me. Um, my rave is uh, John Turturro. Um, and uh, pretty much what's going on here is uh, I just want to rave about John Turturro for a second. There's no reason not to rave about John Turturro. You should rave about John Turturro all the time. Uh, <laughs> you should have done it after Do the Right Thing. You should have done it after uh, Mr. Deeds. You should have done it after, like, you know, all these different times. Mr. Deeds. <laughs> the night of. Um, John Turturro is just amazing in general. But right now, he's having an, an exceptional year. And one of the things is the Batman. When he got cast as Carmine Falcone, um, I said I said to myself, I was like, that doesn't really seem like the right casting. That seems weird, but, you know, he's awesome. I'm all in. Let's see what this is all about. I then forgot about it for like a solid year. And then all of a sudden when he shows up during the movie, I just squealed with sheer delight when I saw him. And then it was just that's just because I saw him and I was like, hey, an actor I recognize. He was really good and i want to just highlight the article on slash film that says like the key the key to the puzzle of uh of john turturro or uh excuse me the key to the puzzle of the batman is john turturro is the ability to be both sinister and sleazy be both like the gotham that is like a basically gothic architecture a true evil but yet also be like the slimy you're never gonna be able to fix the crime that exists here and you just gotta kind of help the people of gotham instead which is like a lot of what the resolutions are and that's what carmine falcone was and spoiler 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 the decision to kind of take him out of the equation in this was just such an interesting one because it's like we're we're done with that kind of like Gotham. We're done with that kind of crime. We're ready for the penguin. But still, that aura in those first two hours when he's there, it's just it like he just sort of balances something that I never seen out of him before. And the other thing from from him this year is the show Severance, which maybe one day one time I'm gonna go on a rant a rant, excuse me, a rave about the show Severance, because this show on Apple TV Plus is amazing. He plays one of the characters and he's playing a very different character of the annoying by the book office guy. 
And it's just like all of a sudden he just shows up, kind of like his sneaky, sneaky character from Deeds, but very like more like snobbish and everything. And it's just like, I, I thought the protocol was the post-its go to the left of the keyboard. And he's just like, while well, he's stirring his coffee or something. And he's just playing such a complete, like, you know, know-it-all asshole that then shows this vulnerability because he's the oldest one in the four-person office because this show is fucking insane. And there's a four-person office with 800 desks because there's something just nutty about about it oh man i first of all love the show it's working with him in it there's a moment where he is and this is the last thing i'll say there's a scene with him and christopher walken and it's just yeah. the two of them are admiring art and i'm just looking at it's directed some of the episodes are directed by ben stiller and it's just the two of them looking at an art piece and i'm like i am watch. i'm i'm sitting it's a saturday morning and i'm sitting on my couch and i'm watching john Turturro and christopher walken look at art and i'm like damn it 2022 motherfucker god it's good to be alive <laughs> You, uh, I, you lost me after sneaky sneaky because now I, I keep remembering that. <laughs> yeah, he's great in this movie. I'm totally yeah, on board with that. So yeah. good. I was a fan of him uh, since uh, Transformers. I oh, forgot yeah. about Transformers. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he's yeah. another one of those actors that's so damn good in everything he's in that he also just like you take him for granted in a way, I guess, and don't think about all these all the stuff that he's in. Oh. All right. Ankit, you have a rant about the Oscar noms. Yeah, I can't feel bad at ending on a negative note. No, it's good. <laughs> but it will be as passionate of a rant um, as yours, Joe, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's I've talked about this a lot just like with friends who would want to hear it. And even if they don't want to hear it, I just like force my opinion on them. <laughs> but, you know, it's like every year Oscar nominations come out and every year, people are pissed off because there are some like glaring snubs, you know, and I'm just kind of over it. I'm over all the politics. And I don't mean politics as in mm -hmm. identity politics. I mean like campaigning and Oscar, like uh, for your consideration, for your consideration campaigns, like legacy actors who will, who are known so well, if they just do any role, no matter how big or small, they will get the nomination. Like Meryl Streep getting a nomination for into the, fucking woods <laughs> or in <laughs> this case one. this year um judy dench and uh Ciaran Hins, like they both got nominated for belfast for best supporting and personally i re i really enjoyed belfast and i really liked their roles respectively and you know they brought a lot of heart to the film but i'm still that naive person that if you were giving someone the best of something they need to prove that they were the best in that entire year from all the films that were released. And personally, I don't think that is the case, but you know, they get nominated because they kind of have the legacy behind them or because Belfast is getting nominated a bunch. So it just snowballs and everyone gets the nomination. Um, kind of jumping back to what we talked about earlier, Ariana DeBose has no competition. You know, that's what we we're talking about. But have you guys seen Mass? Oh, oh yeah. dude, oh, yeah. dude. Well, right, we'll, right. we'll go, we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> There's two noms right there, baby. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, that is exactly what I'm talking about. There is this, like, by all accounts, the best Oscar bait type movie. Yeah. It is low budget, dramatic, indie, folk, like stripped down, just focused on amazing performances. And nobody got a shout out, like, nobody got a nomination. Maybe that's because they didn't have the budget to do a proper campaign. Mm -hmm. um, and if that is the case, that sucks. If a yeah. movie's that good, the only thing that's stopping them from getting recognition should not be 
if they can have a good enough campaign budget or not, you know. And then then you got kind of got into the best director territory, and then Denis did not get nominated. Yeah. But every single other category for Dune got a nomination, and it's like you realize the director sits on top of all that, right? right. Like the director is the one who leads that vision so that these other categories can be nominated. Orchestrates all of that. Obviously, yeah. it, it, obviously there's so much talent involved in these departments. It's not just the director who does it all, but there is that top level vision. So it's just all that kind of stuff happening. And then uh, I'm sure you guys know uh, the Oscars aren't televising a lot of the major categories this year. And I know that's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I saw some like really good tweets about how you can make a movie without sound. You can make a movie without uh, color. You can make a movie without XXX. You cannot make a movie without editing. And that is one of the categories that's not being televised, that's being uh, shown beforehand. Um, and I get why a lot of people are frustrated by it. And it's just, it's a mix between nominations and just being a slave to this old school method of cable television that they have to cut the award ceremony short because we have to appeal to ad advertisers and viewerships when that is just not like the reality of things anymore. You know, people like you're not the Oscars or you're not the Super Bowl. The Oscars aren't the Super Bowl that you can just be on cable and expect this huge level of viewership. Like their ratings have been declining every year and it's not because it might be because the shows are a little bit too long, but it's also because just people aren't watching cable, you know, like the Oscars have not moved into the streaming era. They have not, moved into the digital era they are sticking with their like rigid system and they're blaming all these other aspects and i just think the entire institution is flawed and i think it needs to go <laughs> to be honest i well i i look at it as you know every, everyone there's the people that you know when the snubs come in uh there are the people that are outraged and i'm one of them but like that is that is the joy that I get is the outrage at the snubs. Like, you know, it's one of those things where I was just like, wow, Denis Villeneuve not getting the nomination for Dune is absolutely ridiculous. And I love that I have that discussion. I love that I can have that discussion. I love that I can like get into that. I love that there's something there. If he got it, like, you know, not to say that, that would be terrible now because I wouldn't have that discussion, but it would be kind of like, you know, uh, when Agent Smith said, we made a world for you humans and uh, we were in the Matrix and it was a perfect world and you guys didn't love it i think the same thing goes when we uh you know discuss the uh various people that don't get those nominations then i'm there's a longing for those people that don't get them i mean i every wednesday except during oscar season i do what the oscars got wrong i've got i've got a i've got a long yeah. list of uh stuff um i think it's quite an imperfect institution it is also just about like i don't know how many now like i think about eight thousand people and so what you have to do is you have to like you know cater to those eight thousand people so like you said it's the political nature to it and i think that you know yeah like there was a moment for a while where will smith wasn't really talking to anybody and he wasn't going around and like saying hi to anybody yeah. and stuff and that was one of the things that was like part of the problem there um and you know then he would like get up and like be popular now should it should it go to the best performance absolutely <laughs> yeah Absolutely. And when we like develop a group that judges that best performance, we can have fun. This is just something that a large body that has made movies has voted on. So the fact that like drive my car got into that top 10 is fucking awesome. It's weird. 
<laughs> it's really weird, and I don't think a lot of people would have, but like the people that were choosing it from a like you know the like a body that is growing more diverse, and I don't even mean diverse by like in the United States, but diverse by like meaning like out of this country, and they're coming in here and doing that. That's kind of some of the cool stuff right there that I like you know see, and yes. you know yeah, it's not me or you or uh, Joe. It's just it's that crazy large group that's gonna fuck up a lot, but still also kind of do crazy stuff as well. It annoys me that there's actually campaigning, though, and that that act- mm-hmm. I mean, it always has. And I'm not the first one to say this, but like if you're going to. Uh, yes, the best performance should win. Yes, the best director should win. And the movie should speak for itself. It shouldn't be what the, the schmoozing that happens afterwards and all that jazz. Yeah, that really pisses me off because you're I mean, I'm kids completely right with mess. Like that's one mm-hmm. that we've talked about for a year now um, since Sundance last year, just absolutely loving. And it didn't get any talk until what, December, October, yeah. December. It, it, it's interesting though, because like sometimes the campaigning is just like uh, Alfred going in there and telling Bruce Wayne to shower up because the accountants are coming at 9 a.m. It's not really like it's just like, you know, oh, cool, I get a steak. I got to go to do a steak dinner and like I got to go like wink at uh, some producer and stuff like that. Now that actually is starting to get dark in this situation. But um, I also think <laughs> about uh, like some of the issues where, um, you know, like you mentioned Judy Dench, which is probably the most interesting and most famous situation. That chick does not campaign. Like, I mean, does not like does not show up to award shows, yeah. does not like, you know, does not do anything like she, she was like she was actually the lead in Belfast, but she just didn't bother showing up to the rest of the movie. That is how much she just doesn't give a shit anymore. And so, like, like looking at someone like her, it's always the most interesting because I, I look at that and I'm like. Yeah, how does she still manage to get those nominations? And like you said, it's definitely the legacy thing, but it is still something where like, how are they not insulted that she doesn't come to all the little parties? I mean, granted, right now there's no party or can't there's only kind of parties because of COVID, but yeah. The Oscars are their own beast and <laughs> they're nobody so will weird. ever understand them. <laughs> they're so yeah. weird, man. And like I'm not saying I know the answer because it's like yeah. you know, in my heart, I'm like, yeah, it should be a mix of critic opinion, audience opinion, and mm-hmm. then like something else. But then, you know, it's like, well, which, what's what's the weight with that system, right? Like, if it's audience related, you're going to start getting all the Marvel movies nominated. And like, let's be honest, like, that's not what the Oscar should be about. So yeah, it's like, I don't know the answer. It's like, yeah, do you just get rid of cam- get rid of campaigning and then every single movie is eligible, but then you're going to get even more um, segmentation because people are just going to like come into little pockets and just vote for like, specific movies not out of merit or artistic value but purely because that's what they want based on a certain amount of criteria it's super i think we should have monthly oscars Mm. and the winners each month then go to the annual competition march madness um (laughs) make your brackets (laughs) i will say uh carrie mulligan had the right idea and because this is just dead on true and is ridiculous like uh there's eight thousand academy members um it should be an honor to be a member of the academy of uh motion pictures arts sciences whatever um carrie mulligan said you have to watch every single film before you vote that's that's up there that's and it's not like every single but every single film that is submitted for like Mm -hmm. those certain oscars you have to watch every single one because you know what there was a lot of people that didn't watch Mass. And you know what? It was a tough movie to sell. It's like, hey, hey, four parents involved after a mass shooting get together and just talk it out. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and most people were probably like, no thanks. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, is it um, Vanity Fair, I think? Like uh, when Parasite won, I think mm. it was Vanity Fair. They released like a uh, the list of kind of like uh, voter submissions. 
for the Oscars. It was all blind submission, so you didn't know who said or what. Do you guys do you guys remember this? No. Are they uh, allowed to do that? Yeah, like it, yeah, it was like yeah, there's no name listed, but it, it blew up because you kind of got those kind of biases of people who like weren't interested in watching other films. Like there was that one person who said, I want Once Upon a Time to in Hollywood to win because it's an American movie and I want American films to win. Yeah. You know, it's like these are the so, uh, they do this every year the blind Oscar ballots. Yeah, yeah exactly, I always yeah. love seeing these. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like three or four like people's like you know yeah three or four like interviewees and they look at their like yeah and it's just it's weird because it's just three or four and everyone loses their mind for yeah. them because it'll just be like you know it'll be someone that says well, what's one for this year that uh, I'm gonna do an example of this year Nightmare Alley will win because <laughs> I am voting for it and this, <laughs> the cinematography was amazing an American Carnival movie. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in American carnivals <laughs> and then hucksters. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up because there'll be more to talk about uh, as the Oscars get closer. We're only a few weeks out from them, which is crazy. Um, but we have a what couple more award shows in between now and then independent spirit. PGA. And, and what? PGA, which is going to um, like that'll that'll see if Coda is going to really wrap up that win. Come on, baby. Vancouver just voted uh, Power of the Dog as best movie. So it's good. good. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So coming out this week, uh, Turning Red hits Disney Plus on Friday. The Adam Project hits Netflix on Friday. And Gold, which is um, a survival <laughs> thriller in the outback with Zach Efron. It's limited theaters. Um, I'm trying to track this one down for a screener, but I cannot find it. It's in trouble, baby. I might um, see it this weekend. <laughs> um, do love Zac Efron. Uh, Announcement-wise, we just want to encourage everyone, join our Oscars pool. Have some fun with us. Win a trophy at the end. We'll be very stressed out on Oscars night, uh, but it is a lot of fun. Um, Ankit, so great, that, great, so, great, uh, so great to have you here. I can't like speak today. To so know, but you've dropped some bangers of some flubs. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you're great. Going it, down, I'm taking the ship with us. Um, but thanks so much for being here. Uh, if you ever make your way back into uh, Instagram cinephile life, Godspeed. <laughs> uh, we, we'll we welcome you with open arms. Yes. yes. No, thank we'll you. This was a, a, a ton of fun. I'm really glad that you guys are kind of still keeping up and doing everything. And like, it was really nice to hear like that you wanted me on. I was kind of just like chilling on my couch. I was like, hey. That'll be fun. <laughs> well, no, hey, you saw, the, fun. you saw the comments when we first posted. People were like, ah. People lost their shit. Yeah, they're going to be happy about this. <laughs> yeah, so it was very cool, and we're very happy to have you. Um, all right, we have a little outro we'll play now. Stick around. We'll chat a little uh, afterwards just to wrap up. But um, here comes our outro. <laughs> That's what we do now. We introduce the outro. As <laughs> always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time. See you next time.